Here's a few quick notes about the show. Southern Girl Crime Stories is a podcast focused mostly on lesser-known true crime cases, consisting of cold cases, soft cases, identified Jane and John Doe's, along with missing persons and murder victims. You can follow the show on social media, on Instagram at Southern Girl Crime Stories, on Twitter at SG Crime Stories, or search Facebook for Southern Girl Crime Stories. If you're interested in getting some merch, visit my YouTube channel, or you can donate directly via Venmo or PayPal following the links in the description. You can submit case suggestions to southerngirlcrimestories at gmail.com or DM me on social media. Please be sure to check out my YouTube channel for these stories along with photos of victims, suspects, locations of murders, and more. On March 23, 2007, a land surveyor stumbled upon a human skull in the woods off Arcadia Street in Fort Myers, Florida. This would end up way bigger than anyone imagined. Authorities would go on to find eight sets of human remains, all buried in the same area. Each of the unidentified victims was given the names Victim A through H. In an effort to identify those victims, investigators submitted their DNA profiles to the University of North Texas Center for Human Identification. Over the next 10 years, they were able to identify three of the John Doe's as Jonathan Taihei, Eric Kohler, and Jonathan Blevins. All three had disappeared from Fort Myers in 1995. Taihei, originally known as Victim C, was a drifter who worked odd jobs and had some run-ins with the law. He would go missing from Fort Myers in October 1995 after calling his mother to request money. However, no missing person report was ever filed. Blevins was a transient who lived in the Fort Myers area and had a criminal record consisting of some drug charges and other minor offenses. His mother said he mentioned plans to go out and returned shortly afterward but never did. In September 2022, with the help of the Cold Case Unit and Parabon Nanolabs, victim H was identified as Robert Ronald Bobby Soden by using genetic genealogy. Bobby was 30 years old the last time anyone heard from him. From 1994 to 1997, about five young men were also found murdered in Charlotte and Lee counties. The killer's M.O. was to offer money to take photos of the victims tied up nude and then murder them after torturing them. The first John Doe victim was discovered on February 1, 1994. On January 1, 1996, a Northport family's dog brought a male human skull home. This second set of remains has yet to be identified as of October 2022. A third man's mutilated body was discovered in Northport on March 7, 1996. He was estimated to have been killed 10 days earlier and was identified in 1999 as John William Melarano. Another man's skull was found in Charlotte County on April 17, 1996. Police searched the surrounding woods and found the rest of the remains. This victim was later identified as Kenneth Lee Smith. During the search, a second body was discovered and later identified as Richard Allen Montgomery. 
A couple of years later, detectives discovered more male-dissected body parts in the same area. One body appeared to have only been there for one day. Marks on the body indicated he was bound with rope and strangled. It wasn't until 2021 that John Doe, number one, was identified as Gerald Jerry Lombard. In May 1996, a few witnesses directed police to Daniel Conahan. One of these witnesses was also a victim of Conahan, but was able to escape after Conahan's car became stuck while he was being driven down a dirt road. Later, police linked Conahan to a 1994 Fort Myers police report where Stanley Burden had been propositioned, tied to a tree, and nearly strangled. Burden survived and had rope scars on his body two years later. Conahan was a former nurse who was nearly court-martialed in 1978 for taking fellow naval officers off base for sex. He was finally discharged a few months later after getting into a fight with a man with who he attempted to force oral sex on. Investigators put Conahan under 24-hour surveillance, but they couldn't initially link him to the crime. That is, until inmate David Payton came forward with information. Payton claimed that he was a potential victim of Conahan, just like Stanley Burden. After Burden told police about his alleged encounter, police arrested Conahan for attempted murder in 1996. The state later dropped the attempted murder charge, but were now able to use Burden's testimony to prosecute Conahan for Montgomery's murder. Stanley Burden, who survived Conahan's attack, was able to show the strangulation scars around his neck during the trial. Also, he had been attacked within a mile of the site where Montgomery's remains were found. Conahan was found guilty and sentenced to death in 1996. After Conahan's conviction, several more bodies were discovered in the Charlotte County area with similarities, one in the year 2000, two in 2001, and one in 2002. Then in 2007, the eight skeletal remains were found and became known as the Fort Myers Eight. Fort Myers police said the investigation into the 2007 findings would continue until the remaining four victims are identified, known only as victims A, B, F, and G. On March 20, 1980, partial human remains of an unknown female were found in a dumpster inside a green travel trunk. Stickers on the trunk's exterior indicated that whoever owned it had traveled from New York City to France in 1958 and returned in 1960. The female was missing identifying features, so they were unable to use dental records or fingerprints for identification, but she was estimated to be in her 20s. She remained unidentified for the next 42 years, known only as Dutchess County Jane Doe. The FBI would then bring on Othram Labs to help identify the Jane Doe. Othram was able to take her DNA and create a DNA profile, and it was subsequently uploaded to public open-source genealogy websites. This led them to the family of 44-year-old Anna Papillardo-Blake, who was reported missing after failing to come home from work one day. 
Family members provided their DNA to officially identify the remains as belonging to Anna. Anna was a receptionist for Vidal Sassoon at 165th Avenue in New York City. She was last seen on March 18, 1980, at about 6 p.m. leaving work after telling co-workers she was going to look for an apartment in Queens. Her body was found two days later. Anna was born in Italy on May 1, 1936, and traveled with her family to the United States on visas in 1962. She was married to her first husband for 20 years, but he passed away in 1975. Two years later, in 1977, she remarried John A. Blake, who went by Rick. Her son, Pat, reported her missing immediately, and her family suspected Rick was behind her disappearance. Rick remarried only seven months later to a woman named Mary Ann, without officially divorcing Ann. Rick murdered Mary Ann in 1982 and was convicted and sentenced to prison for the crime. The trunk's owner had been a woman named June Leaf, though it was unclear what relationship she might have had with Anna or Rick. Although her killer went to great lengths to ensure she would not be identified, that only worked for so long. It seems likely that Anne's husband is responsible for her murder since he brutally murdered his fourth wife just two years later. STR testing was not around in the early 80s, and with no body, it would have been hard to prosecute her husband. Investigators continue to piece together the events leading to Anne's homicide, but at least now she has her name back. On July 10, 2016, hikers in the White River National Forest discovered a human skull in an area known as the Sky Chutes between Copper Mountain Resort and Breckenridge, Summit County, Colorado. It was outside the Y Avalanche Chute near Copper Mountain. A few weeks later, searchers found more of the remains. About 75% of the bones were found, scattered among many pieces of survival equipment, including a roofer's hatchet, a high-performance flashlight, and a gun-cleaning kit. Nearby was a Glock 45 9mm handgun, a backpack with high-end hiking gear, eyeglasses, a Garmin GPS case, bare deterrent spray, a tube of Blistex, two bottles of water, clothes, and a few other personal items. The remains were determined to belong to a white male between 30 and 50 years of age with strawberry blonde hair who was likely a smoker. Damage to the skull was consistent with a self-inflicted gunshot from the handgun found nearby. Strangely, the serial number on the gun had been intentionally destroyed with a metal punch. The manufacture date on the tube of Blistex was 2012, and two water bottles were dated February 2012, indicating that the John Doe likely died in 2012, four years before he was discovered. The amount of survival gear made it appear he was prepared for a long trip, but for whatever reason, investigators say he shot himself on the west side of Breckenridge Peak 6, and no tent or other camping gear was located. Investigators concluded that the man had been on the Colorado Trail and then walked knowingly off-trail into the woods and shot himself. 
Investigators wondered why he was carrying advanced survival gear, including a high-tech headlamp and foot traction devices if he intended to kill himself, and why he was carrying three full magazines of ammunition for the Glock 45 he used. It was questioned if he had parked a car near Highway 91 and hiked up, but there were no reports of abandoned cars or snowmobiles found around that time. He wore a black snowmobile suit, gold wire-rimmed glasses, and ironically had a light blue Life is Good hat on. In 2017, investigators released a 3D reconstruction of him in hopes of identifying him. Later, DNA was extracted from the remains to create a DNA profile. The costs associated with the process were donated to the DNA Doe Project by numerous contributors, including the creator of the YouTube channel, Gray Hughes Investigates, and many of his subscribers. This is not the first Doe to be identified with the help of Gray and his followers. Once the profile was created, a genetic genealogist got to work trying to determine the identity of John Doe. Finally, the remains were identified as belonging to 57-year-old Jeffrey Lee Peterson. Peterson went by Jeff and had a difficult childhood, leaving him deeply troubled. He graduated from Virginia Tech, majoring in industrial engineering and operations research. Peterson was on the executive leadership team at Management Systems Laboratories at Virginia Tech for many years and was a pioneer in developing e-commerce software. He loved the mountains of Colorado and would drive his RV to Summit County, where he spent time hiking and skiing. Jeff lost a large amount of money during the 2008 financial crisis, which left him frustrated and disappointed. Subsequently, he told his family that he was moving to Belize, never to be heard from again. He sold all of his belongings and never contacted his family after May 2012. There doesn't appear to be foul play in the case, but the circumstances surrounding his death are still strange. What do y'all think? Let me know in the comments. In November 2012, a woman searching for relics was shocked when she stumbled upon a human skull. It was found in a depression in the ground among a pile of trash on a former coal mining operation along Alden Mountain Road in Newport Township, Pennsylvania. Authorities suspected foul play but haven't released a cause of death or if they have any suspects. The remains belonged to a female in her mid-teens to early 20s and would become known as Jane Newport Doe. It was soon questioned if the remains could possibly belong to Felicia Thomas, who has been missing since 2004, but DNA testing ruled out that possibility and lab results indicated that the Jane Doe died in the late 1960s. Fast forward to the spring of 2022, the remains were sent to Othram for their scientists to develop a DNA profile. Once the profile was complete, Othram's genetic genealogists got to work building a reverse family tree to determine who the DNA belonged to. The funding for the lab work and research was provided by the Lucerne Foundation, a nonprofit in the state. Finally, a name was given to investigators to determine if they indeed had a match. After 53 years, 
Jane Newport Doe was finally identified as 14-year-old Joan Marie Diamond. Joan had lived at 267 Andover Street in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, and her remains were found a little over 10 miles away. On June 25, 1969, she told her family she was going to the nearby Andover Street Park after supper. Sadly, she left not knowing she would never see her family again. Joan was described as a sweet girl and was looking forward to becoming an aunt a month later as her older sister Suzanne was pregnant at the time. Unfortunately, her parents, George and Anne, died without learning their daughter's fate in 1984 and 2000, respectively. Her older sister, Suzanne Eastock, was glad to find out the news, but says she remains heartbroken over the loss of her sister. As of today, her killer remains unknown. In December 1988, a couple of Georgia Department of Transportation workers stumbled upon a body. It was located about five miles from the Alabama state line on I-59 northbound lane near Rising Fawn in Dade County, Georgia. The body belonged to an unidentified female who had been sexually assaulted and strangled to death. Authorities believe the body was disposed of on the side of the road several days to a week before she was found. For years, GBI agents and Dade County investigators tried hard to identify the female, but were unsuccessful. Meanwhile, she became known as the Rising Fawn Jane Doe. Investigators suspected serial killer Samuel Little, who had confessed to killing Patricia Parker in Dade County. However, he was eliminated by DNA. They then wondered if serial killer Larry Dwayne Hall could be responsible. Fast forward to March 2022, using genetic genealogy, Othram and a team of various law enforcement agencies, the rising fawn Jane Doe was finally identified almost 35 years later. The body belonged to 19-year-old Stacy Lynn Chahorsky of North Shores, Michigan. Stacy was born in 1969 and, at only 19, decided to sightsee the states by hitchhiking. She had been keeping in contact with her mother back in Michigan, and when they spoke in the fall of 1988, she said she would be home by Christmas. At the time, she told her mother she was planning to hitch rides from North Carolina to Michigan to the cities of Flint and Muskegon. After failing to return home for Christmas, her family reported her missing. In addition, Investigators found DNA evidence from an unknown male believed to be responsible for Stacy's death. The male DNA was sent to Othram, and they were able to successfully create a DNA profile. In June 2022, the probable suspect's name was given to investigators who began interviewing potential family members and obtaining DNA swabs. On September 6, 2022, it was announced and confirmed that the male DNA belonged to Henry Frederick Wise, a.k.a. Hoss Wise or Hank Wise, and he was the primary suspect in Stacy's murder. At the time, he was a truck driver traveling the route for a Western Carolina trucking company driving through Chattanooga to Birmingham to Nashville and was also a stunt driver. In 1999, Wise died in a fiery car crash at Myrtle Beach Speedway in South Carolina. 
He had a wide range of crimes on his record in numerous states. He was not in CODIS because his arrests were before the mandatory DNA testing was put in place when committing a felony. Stacy's mother, Mary Beth Smith, said she appreciated all the hard work that was put into identifying her daughter and her killer. Stacy's mother also recognized a necklace found with the remains. Stacy was brought home to Norton Shores, Michigan, and finally laid to rest. Thanks for joining me today on Southern Girl Crime Stories. Please be sure to check out my YouTube channel for these stories, along with photos of victims, suspects, location of murders, and more. As always, your support is very much appreciated, and I look forward to seeing y'all next time.